Well, welcome back to our KnowledgeCast podcast series. Glad that you joined us. And if this is your first time with us, we hope that uh, you'll go to jackwwilliams.com and, and scroll down to the podcast section and check out the guests that we've had on our first and second season and, and get caught up. Well, today is a special time for me. We, we get to visit with Jerry Glamble, uh, the well-known former NFL coach and personality. I, I had a chance to meet Jerry first when I was playing at Georgia Tech and he was on the coaching staff there. And then actually we were on the same coaching staff for two years at Tech uh, thereafter. Uh, from there, his career path kind of skyrocketed and well-minded. Um, well, Jerry was the head coach of the Houston Oilers and Atlanta Falcons. Uh, he also spent several years driving in NASCAR and in the Super Truck Series and was obviously in demand as a TV analyst by all the major sports networks because of his personality. And while coaching, Jerry also became famous for leaving tickets for Elvis at uh, all of his games at a time when uh, Elvis had literally, as they would say at his concerts, already left the building for the final time. Jerry, thanks for being with us today. Well, uh, memory lane down there when I was watching you play, uh, you you beat, I remember uh, uh, Georgia had mauled us when I was a freshman coach and the next year I, I moved up with you all on the varsity. And I, I remember the, the Furman Bisher wrote, they had to eliminate the series. The series has no merit. This is not even a game. And lo and behold, we won that game number six to nothing. I think we had a we had an offensive breakout and they and they didn't score. It was just a a great win. You remind me of everything we did good at Georgia Tech. Well, you're, you're kind, but I will say we also beat them the next year in Athens. I want to make sure you, you remember that one, too. Uh, well, well that did. one was so good because uh, my memory, I don't forget, you know, much. And uh, they crossed the 50. Uh, we beat them 17 to something, maybe 17, 17 to 17, like 17, 7. 17, They crossed the 50 for the first time, Jack, with nine minutes left in the third quarter. I remember that. Uh, they tried a flea flicker. They got so desperate, they went to trick plays, tried a flea flicker, and David Bevan intercepted the flea flicker. We were after him that day. We were, we were flat. To, we should have been arrested for child abuse on that, on that particular day. <laughs> uh, I agree. Well, listen, I got to start with this. How, how did you get so infatuated with Elvis and this ticket thing? Well, the, 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 the truth of the whole matter is, uh, June, we were playing, uh, we are going to play the New England Patriots in uh, Memphis at their stadium, a preseason game, and the game was dedicated to Elvis. And so June and I were riding to practice. We were in uh, Texas with the Oilers practicing at camp. We had the radio on in the pickup truck and it said Elvis had been spotted uh, working in a Burger King in Michigan. And June said, uh, you know, in pro football, you have a press conference after every practice, unfortunately. And June says, well, we had to just leave him two tickets, Jerry. If, if, uh, you know, the halftime is going to be dedicated to him. So uh, in my press conference after practice, I said, our game in, uh, in Memphis, uh, I think that's the Liberty Bowl. We played in the Liberty Bowl when we were at Georgia Tech. Right. I said, uh, we're going to leave t- two tickets. For it. Well, it just became a life of its own. 
and uh, never thinking that uh, uh, they had people, TV cameras everywhere at the press box, uh, and uh, they had all kinds of people trying to pick the tickets up. <laughs> so it just it, it just got out of hand. And the bad news is, when I went to Atlanta Falcons, I never left tickets for anybody. All the while I coached at the Falcons, and I went out there. They got a little corner where they call I called the Hall of Shame, where Jerry Jerry Glanville and each coach has a little thing there. And under my name, they said while he was coaching the Falcons. He left tickets for every game for Elvis. And I thought, my gosh, you think they would know better? Uh, <laughs> I never left a ticket for anybody. But the story is so big, you don't want to screw it up with the truth. Oh, yeah. Don't let that mess it up. Well, no. And so the truth is, we never left, left. Once I left Houston, we never left a ticket for anybody. Well, on behalf of Elvis, I'll say thank you. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> who was the most talented player that you coached on, on your team's NFL? And who was the player that you dreaded uh, playing against the most? Well, the, the, let's go to the, who did I admire the most we played against? And, and that would be Walter Payton. And the reason I loved Walter Payton so much, he was with some bad Barry teams when I was in Detroit. I'm talking about in the seventies and they didn't have much chance of winning and absolutely no one played harder, ran harder. There would be three minutes left in the game and they'd be down by 21 points. And he was bringing it on you, trying to knock you out carrying the football. So I then judged all my backs, uh, to what he did and how I wanted them to play. When Walter Payton got to the boundary, he said his outside leg turned back inside and went after the people that were pursuing him. And I thought, uh, we're going to teach that from now on. And the term at Houston, you hear the term now, smash mouth football, uh, was invented by our uh, Houston Oilers offense because I told the running backs, if you run out of bounds, you're telling me you don't want to play anymore and I'm listening. <laughs> and we, and that's how you, you remember our teams. Now we got after you with running backs. Yeah. And I had a guy named Mike Rozier at Alonzo Highsmith, Lorenzo White, Alan Pick. <clears throat> they used to say, who's the best back in the AFC? And the answer would be, well, who's the best back at Houston? Cause he's got them all. I took a back every year in the draft, uh, Jack. I, I, I knew I found a long time ago, Real good backs make your line proud of how they're blocking. Yeah, well, you don't see that philosophy a whole lot anymore. That you know, running backs are rare in the first first round, but it certainly worked for you. Um, yeah, we we want to. We my deal is uh, I've been to football so long. I've been with so many coaches, so many real, real good assistant coaches, and they want to answer the latest problem with a new pass pattern. Now you're a quarterback. You like that. And I decided years ago, uh, when I was even at tech, I said, I believe this, you got to answer, answer some problems with breaking some noses. You got to knock some people down when things I go in at halftime and my quarterback coach would say, everything's open. We got to keep showing it. And my receiver coach would say, uh, they can't cover us. Everybody's open. I'd say, then why are we behind 10 to nothing? Uh, 
you know, we're going to go out and do something else. And we had a heck of a deal going, Jack. It, it, uh, and and my coaching record would would not be what it is without we won 17 games on the last time we had the football. So what we what we wanted to do we want to hang around until that last shot in the NBA. And so right. if you look at Houston, we won more games in four years than anybody ever won till Belichick busted that record at doing. And, and how did we do that? If we had the last shot, Jack, that's all we played for the last shot to go in. Now, a lot of them weren't touchdowns. A lot of them were field goals. But uh, we won 17 games in the last drive. That changes everything. Uh, If we don't do that, you're interviewing your old beat-up coach from Georgia Tech that, you know, nobody knows what happened to him when he left. He dropped dead. But (laughs) you you got to be able, you got to be able to close the deal on a and you saw that in the Super Bowl. Uh, Absolutely. This Super Bowl. I was going to say that's a great, great example of it. Well, you know, yes. most of the people think of you as a football coach, obviously, and rightly so, but they don't realize that you spent a lot of time in racing. In fact, if I, I believe I'm correct, you had one of the best mentors a person could get if they wanted to learn the racing business. How, how did you get hooked up with Dale Earnhardt? Well, I, I decided that uh, I was going to try to drive NASCAR and uh, they take you out on tracks and test you and all that. You don't just walk in and say, by the way, I'm going to drive. And uh, I had not driven on a track uh, prior to that. And uh, you have to get a card. It's called a gold card. If you get a gold card, it means you can drive anything you want to drive at any racetrack in the United States. And I went to Richmond with Dale Earnhardt said he would get me my gold card. And there we were at the Richmond track. There was two cars and two drivers and five people from NASCAR watching. And they do all the things they're going to do to you to see if you're, uh, if you're really good enough to have a gold card. And uh, lo and behold, I, by the way, I was the only guy he ever taught. He would not coach anybody else. Didn't coach his son. I've had his son. I've had the great Jeff Gordon. I've had I've had uh, Jimmy Johnson. All calling me and say, "Can you please, please tell me what he told you and what he thought?" Because he didn't share. And uh, I was blessed. Uh, Ernie Elliott there in uh, Dawsonville built my motors. And uh, people would say, how do you like Jerry driving your motors? And Ernie would say, Jerry has the longest straightaway on any track. And that was taught. And what does that mean? That means you're first in the gas. And that's really what he taught me, how to set the car, set the nose. And as everybody's rolling out, you're already on the floor. And first one on the gas coming out of the turn has the longest straightaway. And I drove for 15 years. Uh, I had 15-year career, drove all over, and, and drove last year in Georgia. Went down and drove down in Georgia at that watermelon track down there in uh, South Georgia. And I think I'll be driving down there, and I'll be driving in uh, Alabama and Florida again this year. Uh, and last year, you'd love it. I was racing for the Budweiser Challenge down there in South Georgia. And some of the drivers, Jack, you were laughing. I think they were like 
16, 17 years old. So everybody right. down there is a, a young guy trying to get, move up the ladder, and they're racing an 80-year-old guy. A lot of fun. I wasn't going to mention unless you did, but I did want to say for, for our audience, we're talking about an 80-year-old doing the doing the uh, the NASCAR driving here. Um, well, when I, and when when I ran for Rookie of the Year, I ran against Jeff Gordon. How about this? Jeff Gordon and I ran for Rookie of the Year in the bush. And uh, Jeff, I think, was 17, and I was 54. I'm the only guy ever run for Rookie of the Year at 54. <laughs> well, uh, also, I, I believe I'm correct. And in, in, uh, at some point in time when you were coaching, you got into collecting uh, replica vehicles of James Dean. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, really uh, – he he wrote the book on cool. So I, I, I kind of, in my era, everybody grew up watching the Blackbird Jungle was a movie uh, and, and a bunch of good stars were in there. James Dean was, and, and it ended up, I loved that car. He had a 50 Mercury and I'm a car guy. I have way too many cars and have had too many cars, but I ended up when I was the coach of the Houston Oilers, I had a James Dean special made. Uh, it was a 1950 Mercury, just like the movie. And uh, lo and behold, uh, that opened up avenues from him, his family, his relatives. Same thing with Elvis. I got to meet Elvis. In fact, go back to Elvis. They gave me their wristwatch that uh, he had on his wrist the day he died in the bathroom. And then with the James Dean family, they brought me everywhere and showed me everything. So it was a great experience to meet the people who were really connected to, to both uh, James Dean uh, and Elvis Presley. In fact, the lady that painted was uh, uh, hired by Elvis to paint him, came to the Falcons and made that famous painting of me uh, sitting on a Harley Davidson. She's only done two people, Elvis and myself, and she's a great artist. Oh, that's, that's interesting. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Well, you know, we don't have four hours here, but I do want to, I got one question because I know you could go for about longer than that with stories, but I, you know, anybody that's coached as long as, as you have has got some interesting stories of something that happened in a game or in football. What, what's one or two that, uh, that really stick out with you? Oh, I think the funniest one is Floyd Reese was my linebacker coach, uh, at Houston Oilers. And we went down to play Cincinnati in Cincinnati, and uh, it was bitter, bitter, bitter cold. Uh, probably the coldest game I ever coached in. And they were maul they were mauled us the first half. They were going to beat us to death. If it had been a heavyweight fight, they'd have called it off. <clears throat> and Floyd Reese, we went in at halftime, and he got in a big argument and fight with one of our linebackers, and they're screaming and hollering and fighting. And, uh, we finally broke that up, went out the second half, and and we gave up uh, two points less the second half. We did the first point, so the whole team was this. I, I got to thank Floyd for being the difference and knocking two points off the second half by getting <laughs> that. Uh, I, I, learned, I learned as I kept coaching, uh, you don't fight your own people game day. You know, everybody's got to be on the same side. If you're screwing up, we got to talk our way through it. So if you watch me coach, uh, you know, I, 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 uh, 
on different on game day, we all have to be on the same side of every single snack, regardless of what happens. I tell every team, Jack, that I coach before we go out, we've had, you know, practice was good. We don't grade practice. And the way it was done in practice is not the way this game is. Something tragic is going to happen to us, something bad, and we're going to pick ourselves up and play and win. Well, we, last year we were in the spring league. Jack, we kicked off. They ran back the opening kickoff. Man, we're already behind. We took the ball, Jack, went down the five-yard line, threw a quick out at the five. They picked it off and ran it back for a touchdown. Jack, that was the best team we were going to play, and we ended up beating the devil out of them. So we're down 14 points. We didn't practice those two plays, and you got to just keep playing. And uh, I, I think that's what you learn. That That's what I'm all about. And uh, uh, whatever happens in a game, we rehearse. So you, I, I get so mad, Jack. It's third and one at the 28-yard line. And the offense calls timeout because you got to decide what they're going to do. They should have decided that on Wednesday. Yep. Yep. That's what that sheet's for. Yeah. Well, you know, when you, uh, when you were in the NFL, you did a lot of things in the community that people don't know about. And you and I talked the other day, one about I didn't know about. But when you were with the, uh, the Falcons during the season, you made a trip each week down to the children's healthcare hospital to spend time with the kids. Uh, how did, how did that get started? What got you involved working with them? Well, it got started in Houston and they found out when I was in Houston, uh, they said when I left Houston, the United Way miles will close because everything we did at Houston, we, we did all kinds of things in Houston with the children, with the children's hospital, uh, uh, I had my own locker room in the hospital and I would meet three or four kids uh, one day a week there. I could drive over. Uh, I had a courtesy car Corvette and they let me park right in the front. So I'd pull in my Corvette, get out, go do my thing. Cause I had to go down back to practice. And uh, Atlanta found out about that uh, when they announced I was going to be the coach of the Falcons. And there's no way I could make it down to the children's hospital after our meetings and get back for practice. And two Georgia Tech grads, uh, McCloskey and Bevan, both worked for uh, Georgia Power. And they set it up and they furnished me with a helicopter every Thursday. So every Thursday I got on that helicopter. Every Thursday I got to fly down and talk to kids that were fighting the fight and uh, became quite emotional and I'd fly back and and then we'd practice and uh, everybody knew here comes the and I tell you what if you've ever been in a helicopter in a windstorm or a rainstorm you, you sometimes wonder why am I doing this yeah. uh, we had that to land, carry ride that <laughs> land looks we pretty good doesn't ride. it yeah well if we wrap up Jerry you mentioned uh, that you I think it was October you turned 80 what at 80 years old, when other people are hoping to just be able to watch sports on TV, you still want to coach and you still want to race. What, what motivates you? Uh, I, I think for me, uh, football wise, it's kind of funny because I get to work with young coaches and of course young players. 
And they all say the same thing. I'm the most current guy coaching. So even though you're 80, you can't look back, Jack, at what we were doing in 68, 77. You have to be current. And I'm on top of uh, before they came out and ran the bunch, we already had a plan on how to stop the bunch formation. And so staying current and inventing things, oh, nobody can stop the, the trips with three coming through the post. Well, you know, we invented, we're going to bring a nickel safety who was doubling the split end, going to bring him all the way over and take three vertical. If he breaks flat Jack, he's back to doubling one on the weak side. We invent all that stuff. And, and we're, and I tell everybody, nobody is as current as we are because study every day, study, you learn something every day, every day. I've been coaching, uh, I guess since 1964, but there's no game. I don't learn something. I learn something every time, and and then you add that into being current, and uh, and and driving, driving is like a drug. It's addicting. Uh, when you're racing, you know, at Talladega, I shifted from third to fourth gear at 194. I put the car in fourth gear at 194 and hook a bungee strap around it. And I looked in the mirror to be sure the police weren't chasing me. When you can run 194 and not get a ticket, you got to go. <laughs> well, Jerry, thanks uh, for being with us. I, I, I want to close by saying we, we really missed you at uh, at our 50th Tech 50th anniversary of our 70 team that we talked about that finished 13th in the country and beat Georgia three of those four years. And But I know that you weren't there because you were at the side of another Tech player that you had recruited that was having a, uh, a serious life-threatening surgery, but all the guys really missed uh, – just seeing you and, and hope to see you uh, soon again. Well, I got to say this, that group of Georgia Tech people, uh, they stayed with me. They, and, and the reality, and I tell them this, they really made my career. They played, and you, you were there, Jack, you watch. That defense played so hard. Our defense got after people so good that the pro teams came. I never applied for one pro job. Uh, George Allen came and tried to steal me off the campus because of how hard we played. So those people you were with, the 70 teams of Georgia Tech, uh, made made me in my career because how hard they played. Well, I'll, I'll tell you one quick story. Uh, obviously, our audience doesn't know this person, but Rock Bredoni was co-captain with me and was a two-time All-American on defense as a defensive tackle. And he was visiting uh, in my parents' home many, many years after we played. And we were at the kitchen table, and he looked over at mom, and he said, Ms. Williams, you know, if it weren't for your son, I wouldn't been a two-time All-American. And she's getting all excited and pumped up. And he said, because our offense was so bad, I was on the field all the time, and I got extra snacks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was funny. Remember our running back was it McNamara? I love McNamara. Yeah, and, and he goes, uh, "How'd you like our offense today, Coach?" I said, "You know what? Your longest run was a huddle break," and we'd laugh. You know. <laughs> well, Jerry, listen. Thank you so much for being with us today. I'm sure you put quite a few smiles on the faces of our of our listeners with your stories, and I hope to see you back on the field or on the racetrack again. And if not, just keep the stories coming. Well, we're going to do both. We, we've been offered a couple of football jobs, so we'll be out there to find us. And, and, of course, we'll be racing this summer in Georgia, Alabama, and Florida. 
All right. Well, folks, thanks for being with us today. And I'm sure that you enjoyed our time with Jerry. And I hope that you'll be back with us next week for our next podcast. And until then, I want to encourage you to make it your goal to be a positive influence in the lives of others. Hey, before you go, we wanted to let you know about Jack's book called The Question, a guide to answering life's most important question. In this book, Jack shares his personal journey that began in 1993 to determine the values, principles, and beliefs that would guide his life. Whether you are a spouse, parent, grandparent, friend, leader, educator, coach, or mentor, Jack's I Believe statements apply to all the roles he has played during his lifetime and can do the same for you. Jack's message applies to all people, ages, and careers. It's an easy read with compelling stories, enjoyable humor, and sincere transparency. The question is now available in ebook and paperback exclusively on Amazon. Go to jackwwilliams.com slash the question to learn more and buy your copy today. Again, thanks for joining us for this episode and join us next week for an all new episode of KnowledgeCast by Ideals.